What makes a great leader great? How do we create a high-performing team? And when we say leader, we mean everyone, because everyone is leading their own life. Will yours be a life by design or a life by default? Those are the big questions, and this podcast will answer them. Welcome to the Becoming Your Best podcast, where we help you apply the 12 principles of highly successful leaders, because great leaders will produce great results. All right. Welcome back to our Becoming Your Best podcast, friends, listeners. This is Rob Schallenberger, and I hope you're having a great day. Wherever you're at in the world that, you know, today's going well for you. And, and if not, <laughs> then hopefully this podcast can make a difference and, and, and help the day go a little bit better. So, you know, I just got back from a trip to Peru and I wanted to share some of the highlights, some of the experiences that we had and the lessons learned that came from those. And I think, you know, one of the things about lessons learned is if we're observant, if we're trying to think about what we see around us and, and apply it to our own lives, we can find a lot of things that we can draw on that can become our teachers and, you know, help us in the spirit of becoming your best to take our good and make it better, you know, in that, in that quest for our best and what that looks like. So in that spirit, I wanted to share four experiences with you, four lessons learned that I had while we were on our trip to Peru. And, you know, I just got to tell you, first of all, it was fascinating to be back in Peru just post-COVID, if you will. They're just reopening things. And so we were at these different sites that are incredible, you know, thousands of years old, and we were the only people there. It really was amazing. Our guide said, you know, typically there would be hundreds, if not thousands of people at these various sites. And at one of them in particular, we were there at nine in the morning. We were the only group of people there. And it was amazing. It added a whole new element to that experience being the only people there at many of these different sites. And so with all of that being said, let me share with you four lessons learned from that experience. Epic trip. The first one is that we can do hard things. And I think we can all acknowledge that we're going through different challenges that nobody else may know anything about. You know, these may be very personal to each one of you, but I think we can all acknowledge and agree that we all have different challenges. For some, it might be health, you know, something that they're going through health related. For others, it might be in their relationships with a son or daughter with a spouse, a coworker, uh, for some, it may just be, you know, they're in a funk right now in one of those lulls in life and trying to figure things out. So we all have these different challenges. And my first lesson learned from our trip was that we can do hard things to press on, to never give up. And what I mean by that, this came on day two of our trip. It was Tuesday morning and we had just started a hike. It was an eight mile hike, which in and of itself, you know, not too bad for most people, but this was at 13 to 14,000 feet. And when you add that altitude into the mix, it makes for a very different experience than a normal hike. And in particular, my, the people who went with us was my wife, my 16-year-old daughter, and then my brother-in-law, his wife, and their 16-year-old daughter. And my sister-in-law, her name is Angie, great, amazing lady. Well, she had just recovered from COVID recently, and the lungs aren't quite 100% yet. Still has a little bit of a residual cough and... Just the lungs aren't quite 100% yet. So anyway, we're doing this hike, and, and the first two miles of the hike is very vertical, very steep. You know, you gain 2,500 feet in elevation from already high, 11,500 feet, 12,000 feet, up to 13,500 to 14,000. 
And as we're trekking up this hill, you know, the legs are heavy. It's definitely a different animal than what I'm used to in hiking. And for her, it was really tough on her lungs. She's coughing. And since they're not just quite, you know, back to their full capacity yet, it was, it was pretty tough. And I watched her and it was awesome to see her persevere through her challenges. You could tell that this was tough. You know, the breathing was not coming easy for her, you know, with the coughing and, and other things that she was dealing with. And yet she pushed on. You know, there was one time there when there was a little breakdown and there were some tears and, and yet she pushed on. And that was a great metaphor for me in life, just watching her, that, you know, we have these challenges, we have these trials, and then we have a choice. Do we push on? Do we keep climbing? Or do we stop, turn around and give up? And what was so awesome was when we reached, you know, the plateau area after that initial grueling uphill, the views were incredible. And, you know, once it flattened out, it got a lot easier. It was no longer really burdensome on the lungs. And for the rest of the day, it was off the charts incredible. And we wrapped up the day after passing through these different, you know, villages. We wrapped up the day coming out of this canyon to this incredible vista where you're looking down several thousand feet into this valley below and several thousand feet above to these rising enormous mountains. The sun was setting. So you've got that orange hue of the sun setting on the far mountains. It was just one of those breathtaking views that you rarely get in life. And Angie was there to experience it because she persevered and pushed through that initial tough, grueling challenge that she faced. And we were all facing it. It was just particularly difficult for her lungs, you know, post-COVID. So that's lesson number one is that we can do hard things, persevering, pushing through them, never giving up. We hear about that principle all the time. And it really matters when it matters. <laughs> when we're in the thick of that internal battle, that's when it matters. The gut check, if you will. The second lesson was, it's about the journey and the destination. So sometimes in life we say, you know, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. I've heard other people say it's about the destination and not the journey. <laughs> Either way you look at it, what I've discovered again is that it's about both. This journey of life is both enjoying the journey being present where we're at, and also looking forward to the destination. And both are amazing if we look at them both in the right context. So for example, we got off this train, we took this train from where we were staying over to what they call KM 104, kilometer 104. You cross this bridge and then we pick up on the last eight miles of the Inca Trail. And some people go and do three or four day hikes alone on the Inca Trail. So nonetheless, we did this hike and, and it was beautiful. You know, we were talking about this very concept on the hike, the journey, the destination. And we were just talking about enjoying the journey and looking at these waterfalls that we'd see off to our left. Or we passed through this old Incan village. And again, we were the only people there. So we were just really trying to live in the present and enjoy that incredible vista and view and the waterfalls behind us. It was just breathtaking, hard to even describe. Well, as you keep going on this hike, Eventually, you hit this, you know, the max altitude point, the, the climax of the hike, so to speak, and it's called the Puerta del Sol, the sun door. And when you crest the mountaintop, the ridge, and you come through the sun door, the Puerta del Sol, probably one of the most incredible views of my entire life as Machu Picchu unfolded right there in front of us, about a mile and a half beyond where we were standing and below us. And over to our right, again, just these rising mountains, low valleys, these clouds, you know, came over and just encompassed the mountains. It's hard to visualize that, but it was incredible. That was the destination. 
And so that was where it really hit me again that, you know, the journey was awesome. Getting there was amazing. We had so many good memories, discussions, and things that made the journey awesome. And oh man, was it rewarding getting to the destination. When we came through the Puerto del Sol and actually arrived at Machu Picchu, it was such an incredible experience to be at the destination. And you know, I think life is similar. You've heard us talk about vision and roles and goals and pre-week planning. These are all designed so that we can enjoy the journey of life. We don't look so far into the future that we miss what's right in front of us here in the present. At the same time, we don't just wing it day to day with no eye towards the future. You know, being able to articulate what our destination looks like. What does the very best version of ourselves look like? That's important. We have a place to go. And, and you know, there are some places and sometimes when we actually arrive, <laughs> you achieve a certain goal, you accomplish something, you check something off your list and it was meaningful. It was powerful in your life. And there's a, there's a deep satisfaction that comes with the destination. You know, my good friend's James Lawrence, the Iron Cowboy, he just finished running a hundred full distance triathlons over the course of a hundred days. Well, there's a lot to be said for the journey and there's a lot to be said for the destination. <laughs> and so it was a good reminder in life that we need to enjoy the journey and also have our eye on what the destination looks like. Now, the third lesson learned is to get outside. <laughs> you know, it was so fun having our daughters there, our 16-year-old daughters. Like any teenager, they have their friends here and they have their life that they're involved in. Well, there is a power in getting outside. And one of the favorite comments that I heard on the whole trip was my niece, who after this amazing hike that I had just finished describing a few minutes ago, she said, you know, this is actually pretty awesome. I didn't realize I would like hiking this much. And that was a statement. I mean, it was awesome to hear her talk about her experience as we were outdoors there experiencing things. And so there's a lot to be said for getting outdoors and making time for, you know, whatever suits you. But there is a power in being in amongst the trees, being by a river, a beach, you know, up on a mountain, somewhere just away from people and in nature. There's something magical about it that it does for your energy, spiritually, you know, across the board, there's a lot of ways you could describe it. But I think universally, we would all agree that there's something magical about being outdoors. Now, keep this in the right context that I'm trying to portray it, right? I'm not saying if you're in Phoenix, go hang out on a 120 degree mountainside for eight hours baking. <laughs> I'm saying get out of our normal routine indoors where we spend a lot of our time and actually get out and breathe some fresh air. Enjoy the scenery that is around us in so many different parts of the world. You know, I'll just give you one example of this. Our last day there, where this was really driven home to me, was after driving these crazy treacherous roads through Peru, we got up to about 16,000 feet in our van that, you know, we'd had the whole week with our guide. And we did this short hike. It wasn't a long hike. It was about a mile and a half each way, but it felt a lot longer than that. We, we climaxed out or peaked out at about just under 17,000 feet. And that's the highest I've ever stood in my life. You know, of course, we've flown higher and all that, but that's the highest I've ever stood. And it was amazing. It's called Rainbow Mountain. So imagine yourself on a peak and you look to your left and you see a ridge line as well as this massive mountain that is multicolored. So you have a little bit of maroon lines. There's these blue lines, brown lines. And it's just the different formation of the metals that make it such an amazing mountain. And, and again, typically the guide said, you know, there'd be hundreds of people up here, if not in the thousands. Well, there was probably 50 people up there. And this was the most people we saw the entire week in a single place. So imagine looking out to your left and seeing Rainbow Mountain. 
And then turning to your right, and there's a massive expanse of mountains there that are glacier covered. So they're just white. One of those mountains goes up into the 20s, maybe up to around 21,000 feet. And so it's just this big white mountain, you know, still glacier capped all the way across. And it's probably with the wind chill, 35 degrees or so. And, and the wind's blowing pretty good. And as we're standing there, it was one of those experiences where we're talking about getting outside. We're breathing this fresh air, not much of it. <laughs> Not much air up there, but we're breathing this fresh air. We're looking around and, and and it's just hard to describe. You know, it really provided a different perspective on life. It really helped clear my mind. It helped me see my life through a new lens and under a new light, if you will. So I think there's something to be said in my experience of getting outside, getting outdoors, away from people where it can be you and maybe a handful of people with you just to breathe fresh air, get a clear perspective on life and see things in a new light. So if you haven't been outside in a while, been on a hike, a bike ride, a walk, you know, I encourage you to do so. It's, it's very refreshing and invigorating for the mind. And the fourth and final point, I don't want to get into politics in any way, but I think this was an important lesson learned for me. And that is to get involved in our communities and our country, at least get out and vote, you know, at a minimum. <laughs> and here's why I'm saying this is so important. Peru while we were there, we're having their presidential elections. And so we were flying out. We had just flown to Cusco, from Cusco to Lima. We're in the Lima airport waiting for our connection back to the U.S. And the polls closed at 7 p.m. And as soon as they closed at 7 p.m., you know, the entire airport erupted. People were clapping and cheering. And, you know, it's awesome that they're that engaged. There were two people running for office. Now, again, this has nothing to do with your political leanings one way or the other. What I am suggesting here, though, is they had two candidates. Each one appeared to have their challenges. One of them in particular, though, very openly was running with a socialist agenda. He wants to mimic what has been done in Venezuela, Cuba, North Korea. And clearly that doesn't work. I mean, just crazy what his platform was. And yet he ended up winning the election. And, you know, let me just give you an example of how crazy some of his policies are that he's describing. He wants to ban foreign tourists from coming to Peru. And he thinks that those sites in Peru should just be localized to the people of Peru. Now, tourism is one of the most important aspects of Peru's economy. And, you know, these are sites that impact people from all over the world. And they come from all over the world to see them. You know, he ran on the platform that there will be no poor among us. Well, his path in getting there, you know, that's a whole different discussion. But what I'm suggesting right here and what was the lesson learned for me was, these people all had a chance to vote. There were people there who voted for him enough to the point where he got elected. And Peru, if you look back in their histories, you know, late 80s, early 90s, it was a place of terrorism. It was a tough place. There was very little tourism. And, you know, they've really gone through some massive transformations and progress in the last 20 to 25 years. And just like Venezuela, you know, you can lose all of that within a couple of years with certain policies in place. And history is a great teacher and it tends to repeat itself. And I love what Ronald Reagan said. Again, I don't care, you know, political leanings one way or the other. He said, is all it takes is for good people to do nothing. And freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. Now, what I'm talking about for the people of Peru is literally their freedoms. You know, he wants to privatize or, or socialize their oil and gas, their airlines, and bring that all under state control. I don't know if they know it or not, but they're, they're losing their freedoms. 
And it's the exact same thing that happened in Venezuela, Cuba, North Korea, Bolivia for about a decade. And so we in our own country, wherever that is, and I know there's people listening to this in other countries, have got to be involved. We can't passively sit idle and expect to reap the rewards of freedom. And so the lesson learned for me was, you know, it doesn't matter what our political leanings are. All of us are trying to preserve freedom and freedom requires action. So get involved in some way, share your voice at a minimum vote. (laughs) So this is not a, you know, a political rant or political thought at all. This is just about preserving freedom and being involved. It's important for us to do that because otherwise it can be lost so quickly and freedom is much more fragile than many of us might actually realize. So, you know, I had an amazing trip. I hope sharing some of these lessons learned has been beneficial for you. Just to recap, we can do hard things. Never give up. Just like my sister-in-law who pushed through the, the breathing and then opened up to this amazing vista and view that we had up on top. Number two is it's about the journey and the destination. Number three is to get outside, enjoy nature, you know, let it improve our perspective on our own lives and, and breathe that fresh air and see things through that lens. And number four is to get involved in our communities and our country at a minimum vote. (laughs) So, you know, it was a great week, wonderful memories for us. And I always try to take things from around me and incorporate them into my life, lessons learned, what I can do to be a better person. And I hope that you benefited from me sharing a few of these with you as friends, as family, and, you know, as associates, as as I would call you since you've, you've made the effort to tune into this podcast. So thank you for being here. We appreciate every one of you. Our vision for becoming your best is to reach a billion people. That doesn't happen by accident. That happens when you share things, you know, whether it's the Do What Matters Most book, whether it's pre-week planning, you know, whether it's a course that you've attended. We're all in this together. And this is about sharing tools and resources that will help us move towards becoming our best. And I'll wrap up with this. You know, we very specifically chose that word becoming. We didn't name this become your best because we believe that while we're here taking a breath every day, that we are in a journey of becoming. And we don't, in most cases, in this journey of life, actually arrive (laughs) where there's always things that we can do better and improve on. And that's the whole spirit of this, becoming your best. So with that being said, I hope you have a wonderful week, a great day, and thank you for all you do. Thank you for listening. Would you like help to apply the 12 principles of highly successful leaders in your life, in your family, or in your organization? Call us today at 888-690-8764 to speak with a helpful representative to evaluate your situation and how we can help. Or you can visit becomingyourbest.com. Whether it's a corporate training event, keynote, workshop, trainer certification, or personal coaching, it would be our pleasure to serve your needs. Once again, call 888-690-8764 or visit becomingyourbest.com today.